This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Malcolm here. And on today's show, we're talking about stocks and taxes. More specifically, we're talking about a way to gain access to your concentrated stock positions without having to sell and create a big tax bill for yourself. As a senior manager or executive of a publicly traded company, you're likely paid a significant portion of your total comp in the form of company stock, making it easy to build up a concentrated position in that stock over time. And should you need to access a large amount of cash suddenly, it's equally as easy to sell some or all of those stock shares and transfer the proceeds to your bank account. However, turning those stock certificates into actual dollars will almost always create a taxable event. There's many ways that you might earn and receive stock-based compensation as part of your employment agreement, which means that each share you own may have a different set of rules regarding its tax treatment. Nonetheless, it's safe to assume that once the vesting requirements have been satisfied and ownership of any shares have been transferred from the company to you, so will the tax liability. And keep in mind that those in positions where equity awards make up a significant portion of total compensation are usually the same people who command the highest salaries uh, at the company and are already in one of the higher marginal tax brackets. And if you're nodding along up to this point, or maybe even shaking your head in frustration thinking about it, you'll be happy to know that there is an alternative. There's an option available through most major brokerage firms called a securities-backed line of credit which allows you to borrow against a stock portfolio the same way a mortgage company allows homeowners to borrow against the equity in their house using a home equity line of credit. Using this strategy allows you to maintain your stock positions, participate in any long-term growth of the shares, and avoid adding to your tax bill all at once, thereby allowing you to have your cake and eat it too. As I mentioned on previous episodes, the wonderful world of equity comp is far too vast to squeeze it all into one neatly packaged podcast episode designed to last about the length of your commute to work. So we've broken it into a different series designed to help you better understand your options. On today's episode, I'll be joined by Anthony Labalbo, who is a regional manager with Schwab Bank. Anthony's an expert in this space, so I'm happy to have him here to take a deeper dive into the world of S-blocks, as they're called, and explain some of the finer points surrounding them and their many uses. And as always, 
In the interest of full disclosure, I think it's important to let you know that my firm custodies our clients' assets with Charles Schwab, which for those of you who don't know to this point, is basically the industry jargony way to say that we're franchisees of Charles Schwab's institutional platform. So with that brief introduction, welcome Anthony Lababo to the Tech Money Podcast. Thanks, Malcolm. I appreciate the time and opportunity here today. Yeah, man. Thanks for agreeing to do this. This this should this should be great. Um, so I breeze through your resume pretty quickly in my intro there. Uh, to start, why don't you just introduce yourself fully? What did I miss? Yeah. So again, uh, Anthony Lababo, regional banking manager with Charles Schwab Bank. I've been with the company now for over six years and have 13 years of industry experience. My role with Schwab Bank is to help educate and expand the awareness of our product set to clients while understanding their goals and to help offer solutions that fit their needs. I mainly focus on our security-based lending offer, which we refer to as a pledged asset line of credit, or more commonly known as PAL. You heard my lead up there as I compared the S-Block or uh, securities-backed line of credit and its ability to borrow uh, against the portfolio to a HELOC or home, home equity line of credit, right? Giving a homeowner the ability to borrow against the value of their house. Am I oversimplifying that one here? Oh, so, Malcolm, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say you're, you're oversimplifying it. Um, I'd say they're very similar in concepts there. So instead of using your house as collateral, as you would with a home equity line, you're instead using your brokerage assets here at Schwab um, for the pledged asset line. So similar um, setup there where it's just this line of credit that's going to be drawn against it. There's no fees or costs for setting up. Um, it has no maturity date. And so uh, very flexible in nature. Clients can use it for a variety of different ways. And so, yeah, that's a, um, I would say that's a comparison that a lot of clients make to um, the two products is uh, discussing the home equity line and a pledged asset line in the same way. So I sort of tipped my hand a little bit in the lead up when I began talking about using S blocks as a, you know, a means to tap into the value of your portfolio without having to liquidate any of your positions and create a capital gains issue. Right. But what I didn't mean, what I didn't mention is, is all the different things you can actually use the line of credit to do. And you sort of started leading into it uh, initially, but can you share with us some of the different situations where having an S, S block makes sense? Yeah, so it's a great question. So by far, real estate is the number one reason that I'm seeing clients set these up right now. So whether that's a, a bridge load into buying and selling a house and, and needing a few months uh, time difference there for themselves, uh, using it as a cash offer right now, especially in the competitive market that we're in right now, or also as just a part of their down payment. Um, we've also seen a lot of clients use this um, a few months ago for, for tax payments. Uh, many small business clients have also set up PALs uh, to help provide for unexpected liquidity needs. Um, we've also had clients that have set these up for helping to consolidate debt or to pay off what we would call other non-purpose loans, such as car loans or credit card debt. So I, I would also say another area of opportunity that, that we've worked with has been clients that hold these type of security-based lines at other firms. Hmm. So in those cases, we can help transfer the balance of the lines of credit that they have there, as well as their brokerage securities. Um, some clients believe that they are stuck with those firms when they have that with no way to pay it off. And so um, there's also several other reasons that clients can use it. But, but those are probably the most common that I see. And I think, you know, 
people may be familiar with margin and how it allows you to borrow in your brokerage account in order to buy more stocks and other securities. So it's probably a good idea to point out here that that's basically the one thing you're prohibited from using uh, the securities back line for is buying more stocks. That's exclusively what margin loans are for. So just want to make sure that I, I make clear what the difference is uh, there. But I'm thinking, you know, as you mentioned, like folks are, are using these for the most part to purchase houses uh, in this case. And I'm thinking about our current housing market that's got, you know, it's gotten overheated to say the least uh, and how hard it is to compete with the offers that folks are putting in sometimes, you know, well above ask even still. Uh, and the only thing equally important or maybe even more important than cash in that situation is speed, right? So if I were in that position, having listened to this episode and I decided I'd like to set up uh, an S block for myself in order to come up with the down payment, about how long does it normally take to complete the application and have the line open and available to draw? Yeah, so so good point and an incredibly hot housing market that we're seeing right now. So so that really has increased the demand for our PAL products recently. And so what, what I would say with, with timing is that it has pushed back some of our processing times. That's always going to be dependent on, on the current volume. And so what I would suggest in these type of scenarios right now is that if you're even thinking about buying a house, and this might be part of that conversation and uh, how you're able to, to purchase that, to set this up sooner than later. There's no cost for setting up. You would only pay interest when you actually borrow against it. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion would be to, to get out in front of that as much as possible, uh, especially since we are in this, this case now where we're, we're dealing with extended cycle times. So using my home equity line analogy again, right? Banks and other lenders will allow your credit line up to a certain cap, which is a percentage of the value of the home, uh, say 80%, 85%, whatever you know they deem appropriate at the time. Uh, how do you guys decide how much credit to extend to me since this is based on something different than my home now? Yeah. So for, for I would say, compliance purposes, Schwab Bank does at its own sole discretion base this on the underlying collateral being pledged. Sure. But what I basically would say that that means is, so for most securities, such as things like stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, we're going to be lending up to 70%. Mm -hmm. Uh, for things like cash or money market positions, treasuries, we can do as high as 96%. So it really is always going to depend on the securities that are in the account and the makeup of it uh, to determine how much you can truly borrow against the account. So let's say that I, I, I listen to this, I take Malcolm and Anthony's advice, and I added uh, a securities back line to my account. I borrowed you know, $250,000 to help me purchase that new house. How do I go about paying back the 250 or do I even have to? Yeah. So a, a PAL has no maturity date. Hmm. So the principal is only due in the case of a demand uh, or when they want to pay it off. So otherwise, the way that we look at these are their monthly interest only loans. So on a, on a monthly basis, the client will receive a monthly interest statement. Um, several different ways that they could pay that back. They, they can pay just interest accrued. They can also pay back any amount above interest that would go just directly towards the principal. There's no prepayment penalties. And then we also do give clients the option that if they aren't borrowing against their entire line and they just want to let interest accrue, they can do that as well there too. So potentially not making any payments um, at that time. You made me think about something else. You, you were mentioning other brokerage firms offering these, you know, sort of in a competitive situation to you guys at Schwab. And I mentioned that just about every 
major brokerage firm allows you to establish one of these and borrow against your portfolio. Uh, you guys all call it something different, but they're they're basically all a version of a securities-backed line of credit. Uh, so I should also point out that you know every firm uses a different metric or index to determine what the interest rate will be when you borrow. You know, some use the prime rate, others use LIBOR, and others just use a fixed tier based on you know your account size and your relationship with the firm. Uh, so it's important to know how interest is calculated here for sure, but it's most important just to know what your assigned interest rate will be uh, and how it will be charged based on who you actually take one of these out through. Similar to using a credit card, right? There's a point that you don't want to borrow above, right? With credit cards, that threshold is about 30% of your available balance. Is there a general rule of thumb or high watermark that you recommend, you know, keeping it below? Yeah. So Malcolm, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a general rule of thumb. I I would always say this is going to be dependent on a case-by-case scenario and how long the client plans to potentially use the line of credit for. Um, As I kind of talked about earlier, we have a lot of clients who use these, you know, basically as bridge loans. And so it might even be just a short time period, a couple months, a couple weeks even. Hmm. And so, you know, that, that might allow them some more flexibility on what it is that they can borrow. But we also have had, you know, several clients that use these for long-term lending as well there too. So I, I would say from personal experience, I don't run into too many clients who are, are generally looking to max out their line of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in those situations, I would probably recommend them to, to speak with, you know, an investment advisor like yourself to discuss, to discuss a tr- strategy to help determine what they should pledge and, uh, and understand the risk that would then be involved with that should we see a, a downturn in the market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which kind of gets to the reason I brought that up in the first place, right? It's because in case it's not already obvious, you're borrowing against an asset that will likely fluctuate in value you know, every single day, right? And in an instance like we had back in March of 2020, where the market dropped like a rock down 30% or something in like three short weeks, there were plenty of people receiving capital calls. So you just want to be sure, you know, that you avoid borrowing above a certain point, maybe it's 50% or, you know, whatever that threshold is, so that even if the market were to go haywire again, you won't have to worry about depositing cash or uh, having to sell your investments to cover it, because then that kind of defeats the entire purpose of why you wanted to set this thing up and and what you were trying to, uh, to accomplish in the first place. So, uh, you know, hopefully that, that is clear, but anyway, so, you know, the example I always like to give to clients, uh, as to why this strategy makes sense and how to position it, uh, is the, uh, 2014 article in Barron's that outlines how Steve Ballmer came up with the cash to pay the bill when he bid, uh, $2 billion to buy the Clippers. Um, you know, uh, apparently he's got like 330 million shares of Microsoft that he either owns or at least owned at the time they wrote the article and this whole thing happened. Um, and instead of selling any of that, he simply used his securities back line to write a check from. And at that time, Microsoft stock was trading at about like 35, $35 a share. And now it's, I don't know, 250 or something. So it cost him almost literally nothing to acquire an entire pro basketball team because he was able to borrow against his concentrated stock position and essentially have his cake and eat it too, as I kept saying at the top of this. So there's talk about changing, you know, the estate tax rules specifically around step ups and cost basis when a person dies. But, you know, at this moment, 
even though I've never met the man, I'm almost 100% certain that his, his plan is to simply hold on to those 330 million shares until the day he dies. And then his kids get to inherit the stock and their cost basis steps up to whatever Microsoft share price is, you know, on the day he dies. And then they sell enough of the stock at that point to pay off his line's outstanding balance uh, and go on about their business, capital gains free, right? So I went on that long diatribe and told that story to eventually land at asking you this. What are some of the more interesting or unique, you know, or outrageous purchases uh, you've seen people use their uh, securities back lines for? Yeah. So, and I, I like the story there with Steve Ballmer there. And we, we have a lot of high net worth clients who have used that for, for a lot of things. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I've, I've seen anything, you know, you know crazy or, or out of the line. A lot of clients, especially in the past year or so, leveraging it for, for things that I hadn't seen before, like boats and RVs, expensive mm. cars, things like that. I, I would say probably the most outrageous thing that I've seen would be, uh, we did get an inquiry once for a client who was looking to purchase it for a marijuana farm in California. Mm. And although legal in California, because we are a nationally chartered bank, we have to follow federal guidelines. So unfortunately, in that situation, we weren't able to offer the uh, the line of credit for that because you can't do it for what we would deem to be any unlawful purposes. I asked for unique, and that is certainly unique, <laughs> for sure. Um, another one I <laughs> thought about as I was talking about that was Jeff Bezos's house that he bought in D.C. Uh, it was like $20, $25 million, something like that, the purchase. And same thing, he borrowed against his Amazon shares um, to purchase the house. And then obviously, as you kind of alluded to initially at the top of this, the higher your balance, the lower the percentage rate, you know, interest rate. And so I have to assume that being the wealthiest man in the world, Jeff Bezos' interest rate on his line has got to be something uh, considerably lower than just going for a traditional mortgage, you know, on the property. So that's another instance where I think it 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 kind of it's an extreme case, but it sort of makes the the case for why this is something to consider. Versus, you know, I've got half a million dollars of Apple shares as an example from when I used to work there, and decided to sell half of them to purchase my new house, take the capital gains hit, and then you know. Uh, it's cut in half. So any growth that Apple would have from that point beyond, you know, uh, I don't get to participate in. Um, so any way, any rules of thumb, you know, things to look out for or, or things to avoid when using the line? So, so I'll, I'll take this back to how you kind of started off the conversation here. And you talked about, you know, many clients do receive compensation in their company stock or and they might hold large concentrated positions, right? You just talked about Steve Ballmer, Jeff Bezos, so I would say, you know, a lot of these clients could be well-suited for a PAL. The reason for that is because obviously then selling these positions could cause, you know, potentially a very large taxable event there for them. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I would just kind of point out there, though, with that, you know, it's always going to be dependent on the security, but, you know, having a constant concentrated position stock for a PAL does give you a higher level of risk. You know, one position could certainly change a lot quicker than a diversified portfolio in the market. And so I know we, we kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier as well there too, but, you know, I'd say in those cases, you know, talk with your investment advisor, have a, have a game plan in place, you know, should there be, you know, a downturn in the market for a position like that, because we want to, you know, or see if we could potentially even diversify the portfolio further. Um, because again, it just deals with a little bit more risk. Solid point. I'd also say, um, you know, we talked about 
PALs are a variable rate as well there too. We, we actually use the index of SOFR right now. So SOFR, the secured overnight financing rate. And uh, although we're dealing with a, an incredibly low rate environment now, they are variable rates then based off of that index. And so, you know, especially short term, we're not necessarily thinking that rates are going to change much, but who knows what will happen to rates in the future there. So thinking about maybe interest rate risks, especially for longer term lending needs would be something that you would want to think about as well. Fair enough. Uh, Lastly, before we wrap, what's something, if anything, that I should have asked you about securities back lines or securities-based lending in general that I didn't? So I know, Malcolm, you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, reasons, that, uh, ways that you can't use the pledged asset line, so, so such as buying securities. That is what margin is there for. These are what is considered a non-purpose line um, so that you can't use it for, for that purpose. You can't use it for, for paying off a margin balance. So I would just reiterate it for those, those people that are looking at it potentially to leverage their account in that way or to buy additional securities. Margin would be a better option there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use that through Charles Schwab and company, not through Charles Schwab Bank. Um, but for really any other financing need that is out there, uh, a PAL can be a great solution. Uh, it's a great I would say even secure, just a, an emergency line of credit that clients can set up and have ready for themselves um, should anything come up in the future for them. Speaking of emergencies, I've run into the case at least twice with clients uh, in the past where college tuition is due. They completely forgot about it because they were busy having fun you know, that summer before kids going off to school. And they needed to get their hands on thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars to cut the check to be able to pay college tuition in, you know, almost an instant. Um, and in both cases, we had the uh, securities back in line in place prior to this emergency coming up. In one case, the client was even out of the country when it happened. Um, and so thankfully, we had it in place and they were able to, to take care of it, um, you know, with minimal heartburn. But I mean, that's, you know, to me, the perfect instance where having that access to emergency liquidity, you know, shows its its value. Uh, so anyway, well, I appreciate you doing this, man. I, I, I think this was great. Um, great information, great perspective that people don't normally have, because this is not a feature that gets talked about all that much in the world of investing or equity compensation or anything else. Um, so I appreciate that. Where can people find you if they want more uh, after this goes live? Yeah, Malcolm, I, I really appreciate the time here and, and the opportunity, like I said. So, you know, for, for clients that are, are interested in discussing further, um, I, I would even refer them to, to contact you directly. I know you've got my contact information and, and can get us in touch with each other to kind of go over their situation and, um, and see if we can help them out further with, with what they're trying to do. Awesome, man. Well, thanks. This was, uh, this was great, Anthony. Uh, Eric with an A, why don't you go ahead and close this out, sir? Yes, sir. It would be my pleasure. Anthony, thank you again so much for being here. Malcolm, of course, thank you for bringing him on the show. And our last thank you always goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Tech Money, our hope is that this show helped make you a little smarter about your money. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, 
To review the show notes or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Um...